Hello and welcome to the Media Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Benjamin. This week on the podcast, guess what time it is? That's right. Rajar is out once again and our resident audio reporter, Ella Sagar, is here to tell us about the top lines, including about how Ken Bruce is continuing to make a big difference for power. She was also an attendee of last week's IAB podcast, Upfronts, and one of the key takeaways that was that podcasts aren't really just for audio anymore. We'll unpack what that means, especially as our editor-in-chief and fearless leader, Omar Oaks, wrote something of a controversial piece about whether we should be using the word podcast to describe what are practically talk shows like this very one that we're doing right now. We will also look to discuss other more recent topics in the news, like Spotify's latest earnings, Netflix's latest earnings. Earnings season is just endlessly fun, and also how short-form video is leading digital ad spend growth. As you might have guessed from that intro, joining me is Ella and Omar. Hi to you both. Hello. <laughs> that sounds so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hello. The, that, that was Ella that thinks you sound bad, not me. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like you were out uh, at a rave until about 4 a.m. last night. You, is I your wish. voice okay? I wish. It doesn't hurt at all. I was just uh, out for dinner with some friends and we did go to the Crown and Two Chairman, which I do think is quite media appropriate, you know, on that Soho house street you, know, mm. you just bump into media people did you did you bump into me did people? bump into media people and were they having a good time they were they were having a good time <laughs> okay well um ella before we get into the top lines for rajar i know you've uh, you've been on to talk about this before but if you could just give a current very quick rundown of the current state of the radio market especially in the uk um and the broader audio market as well like where are we situated mm. with, with this rajar report yeah i think what has been interesting over the last well, since I've been reporting on it, commercial has been taking more share from the BBC in terms of listening. Um, it, it's overtaken the BBC in that regard for the first time in about 20 years. And I think uh, something that often comes up in conversation is that kind of digital side of things. And commercial's been very good at kind of increasing its digital listening. Um, that's one reason. And that just makes it easier for people to listen to. Um and then the other things are like obviously podcasts and um, on-demand music services also come under Rajar and that's been kind of sort of, you would have thought from the kind of sounds around podcasts at the moment that it'd be like jumping up massively, but it's kind of stayed plus or minus one or 2%, those two like um, in measures who listens to a podcast or an on-demand music service once a week or more, but that's not really kind of gone up or down like too much over the last couple of quarters mm. um but yeah radio as a whole reaches 88 percent of the population gotcha and that's been pretty steady for the last three or four quarters people like listening to things yeah. basically um so what are some of the the key top lines from this quarter's rage are mm. I, I think well last quarter everyone wants to know what the impact of ken bruce was joining leaving the bbc after 30 plus years and then joining greatest hits radio on power um, but because Greatest Hits Radio is a six-month reporting station, this is actually the first time we've got a picture of what the full impact is. And so it's kind of more or less, a, he, they, he seems to have added to his slot in particular about 800,000 listeners wow. Wow. from last quarter. And so that is that is really interesting. That's a big jump. And that means, and that I think is a, another big reason why Greatest Hits Radio is a network because it includes lots of other sort of stations it's up 77% year on year. Wow. 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 So that's a very impressive growth story. Yeah. 
Mm. Do you have you ever listened to Ken? Because my only I'm still relatively new to the country, so my only interaction <laughs> with Ken Bruce has been watching him recently on Richard Osman's House of Games, and he was very delightful and made mm. me want to listen to. Yeah, he show. seems very charming. Um, yeah, Popmaster, I think, is the main reason that people. Yeah. One of the people main love reasons. That quiz show. Yeah, they, they yeah. love they love that show, mm. and that's a big reason why he seems to have brought people over. Gotcha. So what else is is big uh, from Rage? Or what what does the overall picture for commercial look like? Yeah, I think it, Radio Two has been declining in listeners. So it's the top breakfast show, um, and that's been kind of slowly declining ever since I've been um, writing about it. Um, and the other thing is Vernon Kay um, has taken over from Ken Bruce. It's a slightly different time slot. It's I think like nine thirty until twelve instead of like ten to one. Mm. But, um, that there have been it has been kind of declining before vernon took over but this is the first because he joined in may so it's this is the first quarter of him with that um uh, and i think it's still more than ken's show it's about six million or a bit more than that but the growth story is just not the same Mm -mm. um any other big points um that that people in audio should should be keeping an eye on uh in this year in this quarter's report Mm. well i think Commercial has still got like a lot, uh, a big reach. I think it's reaching about 70% of mm. the UK population. That's one thing. Um, although BBC radio is reaching about 56% of the population. So there's, it's there, but it's a, it's a good picture for radio as a whole. And as I mentioned before, like with the on-demand music and podcasts, I think maybe because I listen to a lot of music and podcasts that you kind of might have that bias of thinking, oh, everyone else must be listening. So everyone's, it's still quite different. I um, need to get like smart speaker numbers um, because I think that will be, because that's been increasing over time. I don't, mm. but that would be something to look out for as well. Mm. And I should note that that all the full write-ups on all this information uh, uh, will be available or are available as of the time uh, uh, this uh, podcast goes out at themedialeader.co.uk. So you can read all about that. Um, thank you, Ella. I mean, Omar, you, you wrote a, in your column this week about, I mean, you, Ella mentioned podcasts. You wrote about podcasts in your column, uh, sort of the blurring lines between different media and entertainment content on offer and podcasts kind of sits in an interesting uh, uh, realm with that where it's an audio show, but it's really most are talk shows and then many are being also put, given a video and put on YouTube and lots of other different platforms. Um, you know, uh, and I should note that this was in reaction to Ella's own story about, uh, what she took away from IAB podcast upfronts, which I'll ask you about in a, in a moment. Um, but Omar, your, your piece received quite a bit of buzz from our readership. Um, uh, can you explain your argument a little bit? I just worry that this industry, um, almost has a masochistic, um, hobbyist tendency to overcomplicate everything. I mean, the very branding of podcasts when you actually think about it it's stupid and it's out of date it was tell us what you really think (laughs) you know it was it was you know it was just written down in an article about 20 years ago by some guardian journalists um at a time when a lot of people had ipods um mp3 players as we used (laughs) to have when we were cool kids um the word should never been invented really it's streaming on demand audio there's nothing inherently different except that there are just too many of them nowadays. Um, and just as social media, by the way, removed barriers to entry for publishing, podcasts have just unleashed this long tail sewer of crap audio production. 
No, it's true. Oh, no, no, it's <laughs> no, not, not, it's not, not, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. I, 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 I do generally believe in what we're doing is very good. But you know, when you when you create um, social distribution platforms where there are no very little barriers to entry, you have a widespread availability of not very good content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I I worry that mm. as we create new labels for new things in media, a how new are they, and b are we just associating all the long tail crap with whatever this new thing mm. is? Um, and the sell side is guilty of this, you know, this jazz hands rebadging too, um, because you know it works for them. New uh, media products, if we can call it that, they imply new audiences, they imply new opportunity and new things to talk to advertisers about. Um, but you know, do audiences actually care? You know, Ella was just talking about kind of her, her own biases as a consumer, but ultimately, isn't all content mm-hmm. being viewed on mobile devices and television screens? shouldn't the planning and buying reflect that and be simpler too than worrying about kind of, is this a podcast and, oh, should we turn it into a video podcast? And, oh, maybe we should have interactive graphics. And, you know, it was just really kind of rebadging old forms of content. Mm. Do you think, though, to counter that a bit, if there wasn't a label for it, that's quite as, like, succinct as podcasts that the advertisers would have been able to, like, get in, as involved in it. Do you see what I mean? That there needs to be a kind of easier to understand label right, rather like, than in-stream, on-demand, digital right. audio. Do you, do you, like, it kind of simplifies things in some ways. I mean, perhaps, I mean, what's different is the distribution is different. And so if the distribution is different, then there are new, there is new ad inventory that you're able to create. Um, the problem is specifically for podcasts is that a lot of people have iPhones and a lot of people consuming these this content on an ad free platform. Um, so the only advertising you can put on it is within the content itself. So we've seen good examples where you know people do host reads ads pretty well. You know we've had the recent launch of Pod Save the UK and I remember we in Pod Save America. You mm. know they kind of turned into an art form, didn't they? Where they yeah. kind of almost it was almost anti advertising, wasn't it? But there's a few yeah. of hard between, yeah. and um, it's a, it's limited inventory. We're getting real about doing addressable ads, programmatic. Then it's reliant on what platform that you're on. Yeah, I think I've been actually um, speaking about this with um, someone who works on for, on the pod, the subscription side of podcasting, which people have I think if have seen a little bit of, they might do a subscription thing as a bit of a side business to their main ad funded podcast. But the kind of what does the future look like? Is it a hybrid of both, or is it full subscription? And is it a future where everything is you like alongside your Netflix, Disney Plus, and all of these things like your video subscription platforms, you have your audio subscription platforms at the same time. Mm. Um, or Netflix will just buy one or, of them or, and then become yeah. a, a... Well, you know, a, it's going into gaming and all of those things. Yeah. Audio wouldn't be the craziest thing. Yeah. but, yeah, but that, that's, Sorry, so that's exactly my point because actually everything we're talking about that is new and disruptive is the distribution. It's not the content. 
So again, Ella, you say, is it, you know, podcasts, should there be, you know, could there be more subscription options versus just relying on advertising for monetization? Yeah, but we've been talking about that for publishing for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the rise of Substack, of the big news brands kind of getting more into subscription. Well, it's it's the distribution that's different. It's not that, that anything is inherently different about news publishing or about TV or audio mm. and podcasting. Mm. Um, there, there was another pushback uh, from a commenter on your post, and I'm aware that they're also writing for us. Um, uh, Scott Thompson of Publicist Media disagreed with your argument pretty strongly, and I wanted to highlight a particular issue you took with it because I thought it was quite interesting. He wrote, quote, The Economist, whether you choose to call it a magazine or a newspaper, and Spider-Man comics might all use the same technology to produce, but are still fundamentally different media and certainly shouldn't be lumped together along with all books and other magazines, newspapers, under the simple but meaningless printed material label um that sort of almost just directly refutes what you're saying in terms of <laughs> uh the distribution may have changed um uh to make certain things like each other as in all written media can all be found on let's say substack or on a digital through a digital screen but that does not mean that all written media is the same it does not mean that all audio media is the same i'm curious how you react to that comment um if you had any th like thoughts about your own argument, like, mm, you know, maybe that's a, an interesting point. Yeah. Punchy move, Jack, inviting your, your boss onto the podcast. <laughs> no, no I, I, no, I really appreciate Scott writing that because um, I, I, I love it when people um, disagree with something I'm writing about because either I've got it wrong, I can learn from it, or it kind of gives us something to talk about. Now, um, I see things differently. I mean, again, look at what's happening to publishing is similar to what's happening all over the place in media where content is essentially being broken down into two buckets, short form, snackable, and long read. Longer, longer read, right? Long form isn't dead. It's just that different audiences are getting savvier at deciding what they want and voting with their feet or their eyeballs. Um, so look at what's happening with the New York Times. The stories are generally getting shorter. Look at what's happening all over news publishing. Stories are generally getting shorter. Look at what's happening with, um, you know, our, our friends at Campaign Magazine. It's not a magazine anymore. It's just online, like everyone else. Um, the forms of distribution are essentially coalescing into these two buckets, short and long. Um, and that's because of these online platforms, I repeat. They're creating these winner-takes-all markets where consumers, they have a much wider access to content. And if you have a much wider access to content, you are going to choose the best. Not the second best, the best. That's why it's winner takes all. That's why you've got Joe Rogan, who is insanely successful, and you've got a lot of a great podcasts who can't even get close to it because there's only so much time in the day. Um, this is generally bad news for advertisers and ad buyers like publicist media because it means less choice and it means higher prices. Um, agencies, you know, frankly, they need complexity they need more competition between media owners because it gives them a reason to exist, right? And it's also bad news for consumers. You know, I hate turning on Apple Music and you, you play today's hits. You know, you just give me what kind of like, you know, the equivalent of Capital FM is, you know, just give me today's music. 
And I'm so sick of hearing fucking Ed Sheeran <laughs> and Taylor fucking Swift because these algorithms. Oh, we're going to get cancelled by an entire no, huge community no, for gonna, saying that. No, not, not against. <laughs> the Swifties are going to come for yeah, us now. Not against those, you know, insanely popular <laughs> global music stars, you know, they care what I think. But these algorithms are constantly optimizing for what's popular already. Yeah. So they just kind of keep serving yeah. what's already popular. Mm. And it's the distribution which is fucking things mm. up, not the content. Yeah. Mm. I think, well, we've, I, I, something I've been hearing about recently is mid-form content. Just talking to you about this earlier, Jack, I think. And what is mid-form content? Oh, good. Another new label. Yeah, another just label just for you. Yeah. Yeah. Short form has to be short within form, like what a does minute the, or what's, something. I don't know if it's I don't know. less than five minutes. Is that a short form? And then mid-form is five to ten. And then long form is anything longer than ten. Or That's, that's an unofficial... Ella definition of <laughs> short, mid and Let's long it, yeah. form content. But uh, I do I do take issue with the idea of if we're just bucketing content into like, you know, different time frames mm-hmm. it takes to consume them. We're not we're we're then calling everything that we consume the content. And I think perhaps to Scott's point and to something I thought about and had a bone to pick with recently, like there's a big difference in quality between certain types of quote unquote content and others. Namely, I think it devalues the artistry behind uh, creating film and TV, writing novels, especially you know fiction, but also like really high quality you know, podcasts, for instance, mm. are lumped together with drivel, basically, <laughs> like just n- not good stuff. And I, I do think there needs to be some sort of separation between we, we can't think of everything as content, be it. I can consume it quickly or, or it takes me a while to consume it. We have to think of things as uh, things of quality and all the rest. And then maybe we can start talking about, well, this quality piece of content only took me five minutes to read. Whereas I'm going to, last night I spent like an hour reading a New Yorker piece about China, which was absolutely fascinating. And the amount of reporting and work that goes into that is amazing. And it's very different than going on Insider and reading, you know, a three minute article about, I don't know, something mm. that happened. Not to say that there's anything bad about either jobs. one, but it's completely, yeah. yeah, like to say that they're all content, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, but the, the, the problem you get into when you're using a quality barometer of content is that quality can mean very different things to different people, number one. And also it's hard to define what the inputs are i.e. the cost of producing that content versus the outputs. So to go back to your example, you talk about this this long read on the New Yorker with kind of maybe there were different contributors and kind of um, the, um, the, the writing was particularly good and the sourcing and the interviews, okay, that might have taken a long time to put together. Now that Insider article, let's imagine this is a real article, that three-minute piece could be a journalist kind of working for several months in order to find out something exclusive that is a big market-changing story. Now, a lot of the biggest stories only need, you know, a few lines. Mm, mm-hmm. But it could have taken a huge amount of work. I should have said perhaps just some clickbait story. I mean, like content that someone might have read about. But yes, I think that's a completely fair point to, to make. Um, to return us back to the... the uh, uh, subject of audio um ella i mentioned that you went to iab podcast upfronts we've talked about a little bit already um some of the broader debates about things i alluded to the fact that podcasts are not necessarily an audio only medium Mm. can you tell us a little bit more about how that was the sort of major topic that came up at the upfront yeah i do find it interesting because i've been to the upfronts now three times 
and it and there is always a slightly different kind of theme or like but like word that's kind of mentioned and peppered through a few different presentations because you'll have various podcast platforms and publishers kind of making the case to agencies and advertisers about what what's new on their slate and what makes podcast advertising so compelling um this time it was most of the presentations in some form or other were talking about how podcasts can uh be put like on social media and how they can be visualized so some of the most famous podcasts that do this would probably be diary of a ceo by steve bartlett joe rogan as well i mean it's not a new concept of like taking a clip and putting it online and even radio stations do that and they'll like do a teaser which is effectively what it is um but it was you know the debate in the in the industry of is a video podcast still a podcast or a vodcast is another label um (laughs) for you omar um or is it uh a just a video on its own um you know just because you've got people with their headphones and mics in in shot and stuff does it make it podcast like and actually the last presentation um by audio boom mike newman he was saying can we just stop having this debate about whether it's a video podcast and sort of on your point was like well if the consumer thinks it's a podcast then it's a podcast and that's what matters Mm. um that was quite interesting obviously there's a lot of new podcasts coming out um and so there'll be even more podcasts to listen to. It's about 5 million in Europe now, um, podcasts. Oh. And so that's just going to keep on growing. Um, and, and to Omar's point, yeah. only a few are actually standing only. out, really. <laughs> yeah. Especially for from for an advertiser's perspective, because there's a lot out yeah. there. Most of them are probably not being so mm. widely listened. So not in the presentations, but in the kind of networking and stuff afterwards, I was thinking, well, you know, the big, big podcasts at the moment, I would say like, news agents off menu it's all the stuff that's on that algorithm in the top 10 or like you might like this it's whatever that sort of thing whereas the there Taylor are Swift so, of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but there which which is which is fine you need a kind of ranking of like but even when you get into podcast rankings there's debate about how you actually rank them and how you measure like what is what make what is a top 10 podcast is it based on like survey-based listeners or all of that sort of thing, or, or something else entirely. Uh, so they can't even. We can't really know exactly, and because Apple will have a different ranking than other platforms. Um, but what's quite interesting is that the discoverability is still a big headache, um, mm-hmm. and how people get that um, those audiences and to know about this new podcast that's dropping. So social media and video would massively help with that. And again, it's a distribution question. Which is why, listeners, if you like the Media Leader podcast, <laughs> tell everyone and their mother mm. and their father about it. Get us to the top of the charts. We'll have to maybe pull some strings at Spotify to just bump us on the algorithm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I want to move us into our our rapid fire time. Uh, Last week, I discovered that I can make noises with this (laughs) roadcaster machine in front of me, and I will be making use of them because I I want this to go as quickly as possible. We've got a lot of subjects that that Mm. I'd like to just quickly touch on um, and make sure that our listeners are informed Um, to keep on the uh, audio uh, uh, conversation that we've been having. The first one is Spotify just released its third quarter earnings and uh, they blasted past Mm. expectations for monthly active users, subscriptions, revenues. Um, It appears price hikes have resulted in 
better revenue and people are still subscribing. But Ella, I wanted to see if you had any initial thoughts to that. And again, I'm going to try and keep you guys to about a minute, a minute. with these. Okay. So uh, if you way overshoot that, I will give you a, <laughs> a one of the, <laughs> I'll give you one of these. I need like, okay. <laughs> I need like a quiz, like a countdown. Um, so yeah, I think the Spotify is quite interesting because it did, it has those KPIs on users, revenues, and it surpassed all of them. And I think um, there are, there has been differences in pricing, like you mentioned, the other thing that's changed, I think, since, say, last quarter is they're really leaning into audiobooks and AI. AI DJs, one thing that they've kind of emphasized that they're rolling out in more markets, which is kind of trying to compete with radio, which I wrote an article about. And then the other one was AI translation of certain podcasts, which is something they're in lots of markets, but a lot of their content is not in those local languages. So that's something they're trying to address as well. Um, so those are three things that I would say audiobooks and well ai dj ai translation mm. gonna be big things to look out for mm, mm. Um, the iab and pwc released their latest digital ad spend report which covers the first half of 2023 um, found that growth slowed to five percent this year but video is leading the charge with double digit growth um omar i'm curious how important has video become for ad budgets and then I'll give you extra time because I'm asking a follow-up question as well. Um, <laughs> is digital's popularity overall worsening a sort of short-termist culture in the ad industry because digital is, is something that's very easy to turn off if you ever need to make a, a change as opposed to other mediums? Okay, so uh, yeah, oh, it's all because of video podcasts. People are getting crazy. No, no. Uh, no I think um, why why is video growing in a tough market? I think a lot of things are coming together. I think um, actually you've seen a few years now of um, the influence of TikTok in the market. Um, it's still a messy operation from what I hear from the media agencies, but they do actually, you know, nowadays have a proper ad sales team in place and they're talking to all the major agencies. Um, so there's lots of routes into market to buy on TikTok, um, combined with obviously the high audience growth. Um, it's built, you know, a, a, a credible buying option to rival YouTube, which is important. Um, and speaking of YouTube, Google specifically, they've been working really hard on selling direct to advertisers. Um, we broke a story over the summer about how a lot of senior management in the UK um, are, have lost their jobs. Um, and I gather what's generally happening, again, from the agencies is that they're generally talking less to the agencies, that there are kind of people being replaced on a like-for-like -like basis. And why are they doing that? Because they're actually looking to sell more direct to advertisers. So I think a lot of um, people, are, a lot of advertisers, that longer tail of ad buyers who don't use agencies are buying directly on YouTube. So I think that's a lot of where the demand is coming from. Um, and I think, you know, all the chickens are coming home to reason in terms of the message getting through in terms of measuring attention and video obviously being really powerful for that. So mm. I think video is holding up as being a more effective platform than the rest. And um, that's my minute. What was, what was your second question? The, the second question was, <coughs> so the popularity of digital overall, um, does that create a more of a short-termist culture among advertisers because you can turn that, advertising spend off quickly if you need to let's say you know economics change or something as opposed to other forms of of media yeah you, you've answered you've answered the question in the question well done uh, no, <laughs> generally um as as more um advertising activity is going to online formats it does mean that um as well as ramping it up easier you can turn it down easier and so what happens in a tough market as it has been this year um hasn't 
gone into recession, but still could happen. Interest rates have gone up. Um, you can turn that digital tap off a lot faster than you can on TV, where you have to book campaigns months in advance. Um, so it is creating a more short-termist culture. I do worry that, you know, generally this meta-narrative that we write about a lot in the media leader is, you know, media fragmenting, audiences fragmenting, it becoming harder to reach people through media than it was before. Doesn't that mean that if you're going to develop a more kind of sophisticated, always-on advertising philosophy strategy that you need to be taking a longer term approach and not just kind of like looking around to kind of what can I dial up and dial down all the time mm. um so I, so I worry that there's a disconnect mm. that was that was spot on a minute by the way I'm very proud um I'll give you an applause in fact <laughs> <laughs> um but yes yeah, speaking of more earnings news number of media agency holding companies delivered their quarter three earnings um I only really want to ask about one, and mostly it's for for my own knowledge as well. IPG has been performing uh, below some of the other uh, holding companies this year, which have all been generally in the mid-single digits in terms of revenue growth. Um, Why, uh, Omar, perhaps you could answer, why is IPG uh, a little bit lagging uh, some of the competitors? Interestingly, um, we talked last week about um, the interview we did at Future Media with Yannick Bollare, who runs Vivendi and Havas. Um, and I challenged him during that interview on basically, come on, like you're, you're making your money through media, right? You're not making your money through creative advertising. And he, and he pushed back on that quite strongly. Um, but, you know, it is generally true when you speak to these people that run agency groups privately that, that you know, they are making their money through media buying. And the creative agencies, the ad agencies are generally loss making. Um, so IPG... You know, they talked about very strong global growth for IPG media brands, which is um, the the division UM initiative, the media buyers. But guess what? The ad agencies, McCann, FCB, RGA, MRM, huge. They are, quote unquote, challenged, which is pretty obvious code for losing money. Um, It's because, as as I said before, we we talked about last week with um, WPP merging these two ad agencies, Wonderman Thompson and VMLY and R, like the advertisers generally care less and less about these brands. Sorry to say. Um, So why is IPG lagging behind the rest? It's because generally their media buying operation is smaller and it's definitely smaller as a proportion of the overall business. Um, I don't think it's a bold prediction to say that you might see some rationalization of these ad agency brands within the next 12 months because they need to reduce their costs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fantastic analysis, but you did go over a bit. So I'm just going to give a bit. <laughs> uh, tighten it up. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, more earnings. Netflix, we talked about them last week on the podcast, so I don't want to give them too much time, but they released their earnings since we talked about them last. And I know one of the big things that we were all looking out for was um, how is their earnings doing in, in relative to uh, their ad tier? And if that's where they're making a lot more of their money or if it's really just from price hikes driving mm. revenue growth. And it seemed like it was the latter. Um, I'm curious. I, I believe, Omar, you wrote about it. Is Netflix in a bit of a, a problem uh, in terms of their business model? And then, Ella, I'm curious if you had any additional thoughts as well. My analysis of um, the earnings last week, I think actually um, they're demonstrating that in, in markets like the UK, US, France, where they're developed, they are actually able to keep raising prices and uh, demand is quite inelastic, which is probably quite surprising to a lot of people. Um, going back to our previous discussion about winners takes all formats, I think uh, platforms, I think if you just, if you're a consumer where you've had Netflix for potentially 10 years, 
you just see it as a very good streaming platform and why would I, you know, why would I go off it? Mm. Mm. Ella, do you have any thoughts? Well, because I'm a new Netflix subscriber because of those, like, password crackdowns and stuff. Oh, right. So I find it quite interesting who else is in that position. I haven't gone for the advertising tier. Maybe I should and write an article about it. Um, I don't know. About how, um, how good or bad uh, yeah, it is. I, yeah, maybe when Disney Plus launches its ad tier, I'll get I'll, I'll compare. But I think, mm. I think that's one thing that like a lot of other streaming services sort of looking at Netflix and being like, what have they done right or maybe wrong? Um, yeah, that's, yeah it's, it's an interesting picture. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, the key point mm. is that they need to raise prices in markets where essentially demand is plateauing. Everyone who has Netflix has Netflix and wants Netflix, right? Um, the ad platform move has been underwhelming to say the least. And they mentioned interesting things about their earnings reports about actually developing their own tools, their own ad stack, you know, moving away from this relationship with Microsoft, which frankly hasn't gone down very well by all accounts, revenue guarantees, not being here, all the rest of it. And, you know, not much demand for advertising on Netflix. And, you know, there was advertising week, New York last week, and they announced some kind of new ad formats around binge watching and some of the golf and other sports rights that they've acquired but it's not really that innovative. It's not really what, you know, when Jeremy Gorman came to our Future of TV advertising conference last December, was talking about how they wanted Netflix advertising to be the equivalent of Times Square or Piccadilly Lights or the World Cup. Mm. And it's like, you know, nothing they've announced in the last year has come close to anything like that. And frankly, they've got a big problem with shoehorning a load of ads into a lot of content, which was not designed to have advertising in it. Well, that's been, yeah. So now they're going on this kind of cap in hand, kind of, you know, renegotiating licensing deals and, you know, agreeing how they're going to actually do this. Yeah, I think I think that's been, I tried watching a film uh, and then a TV show separately on an ad supported uh platform and it wasn't netflix or something else and uh that was like the worst watching experience i've had because you're like really into whatever film it is and then suddenly an ad pops up and you certainly were caught unawares it's the same issue that i have with youtube having a million ads and i mean yeah (laughs) content needs if you're gonna have ads within content content needs to be be designed around it or or you Mm. need to Mm. very it's like now we've got an ad break like in in podcasts like a lot of times you'll have like um like a sound effect or something to say and now we have something from our sponsors and then you can kind of you know what's coming the worst is when it's just like this in the same voice as the host of the content that you're listening to and then it's suddenly like and the reason i love blah 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 mm-hmm. and, at the, and i'm like oh this isn't the podcast i'm gonna have to this is, is it, and it's exactly we, we should have put this in the first section about talking about labels <laughs> yeah we're going on a big tangent now <laughs> it's a re- i think it's a really important point because tv shows have always you know the last decades and decades have been have been the screenwriters have been aware of where the ads are coming in a you know you got your 42 minutes of screenwrite of of time of 18 minutes of ads and that fills up your hour so they're going to have like three or four ad breaks so if it's like a procedural crime drama for example they know that okay i've got to put in like a mini cliffhanger yeah. every 10 or 11 minutes because that's where the ad break is going to come in it's specifically written with advertising in mind and it's the same thing for the podcast where, you know, completely different to the, a radio show. Again, they'll have that sensibility in mind. Whereas just shoehorning ads into YouTube videos, into podcasts, into other kind of digital things. That's why the user experience is so shit. Mm. And that's why I go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not paying for, for anything, but they could and I would take their money. Um 
uh, one more question, uh, a news newsy question. Um, Meta was just sued by 33 U.S. states whose attorneys general accused the company of being addictive to minors and negatively impacting mm. their mental health. Omar, I know you have felt very strongly about this in the past, Ella, but I'm curious, Ella, uh, your own thoughts first. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> is uh, social media the modern day tobacco company? Oh, wow. That is a question. That's um, a leading question. A leading question. <laughs> well, I think this, all of this, um, these procedures started because of um, a ruling in California, which ruled that it, someone could sue Meta for being addictive. And it is designed to be addictive. And I did an article about uh, its policies for under, for teen users. And I can, I, it was for Meta, but also for other platforms like Pinterest, Twitch. And I personally, I just don't think, I mean, I started being on social media when I was 15, but my cousin's kids now are on, on it and they're eight or 13. And, which is and ten, not allowed. Which is not possibly. allowed, but yeah. they're like, they're either going on their parents' like um, accounts or they're making a fake account. Right. And I just don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if you make a broad-based statement of like people under the age of 18 shouldn't be, but it's not like magically 18, you're ready to have social media. But I just think that growing up with it, it is addictive. I don't know. And, and the thing is, is there's like... um the way that it's kind of gamified and kind of like more and you get more and, and mm. yeah, mm. it's addictive. Mm. Omar, I mean, you've, you've, I feel like ranted about social media companies perhaps too much. So I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you your minute if you, no if you have anything. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is an interesting wider question about the gamification of all media, but specifically about social. I mean, Ella's right. They, they are specifically created in a similar way to to trigger the same uh, neurological responses as gambling. It's addictive, particularly if you're a content creator where you put something out on a social platform and you're like, oh, how many people liked my post? And has anyone commented? And has it, has it gone viral? And why aren't people reading it? It's that constant game. Let, been, yeah. let alone you know and and people and this is why you get all the performative bs because people are constantly kind of like pushing the envelope into how provocative can i be how outrageous can i be is it going to get liked is it going to go viral and we're all just playing this game and it's just so boring mm. i don't know if um if you guys also do this but every, and whenever i post something on a social media i'll end up rereading it like a million times <laughs> like being like oh, wow that was that was really smart. <laughs> that's just you. That's, that's, just, yeah. that's just me. It does reveal uh, a lot about you, Jack. Yeah, well, I, maybe I have an ego but problem. I think, I think, I mean, they do, these platforms do have policies for teen users and they do have rules about you can't have an account if you are under yeah, but the rules age of blah, are blah, blah, not blah. rules if they aren't being enforced and being enforced properly. But then it's that classic thing of like, if all of your friends are on social media and you're at school and your parents say, oh no, you can't be on social media or all of my, the equivalent was like, oh, I really want a mobile phone. All of my friends have a mobile phone. Like, how do you justify saying, actually, no, you can't be on social media mm. um, because of blah. Like, and so you it, understand, yeah. I understand why. And it, it's. Uh, yeah. Parents need more support from yeah. government. Like what, you know, you compared it to, did you compare it to smoking before? That's what the US Surgeon General said. You compared it to smoking yeah. in terms of being addictive and harmful to society. And we need Frankly, where is the UK government on this? I want to hear more from them in terms of providing guidance for parents on mm. smartphone usage, social mm. media usage. Especially after Molly Russell. 
and go yeah. with that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, well, I'm going to give myself a trombone because I let that conversation go on too long, but I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> so that's for me. <laughs> um, the final question is, I, I basically just want to know what you guys are working on next. So you know, next time we record next week, uh, what will have been read by some of our audience? Um, what's coming up for, mm-hmm. for the both of you? And then also one bit of media you've been consuming more. It could be a specific show. It could be a broader uh, type of media that you're, you've been consuming more of recently. And uh, Ella, I'll start with you and put you mm-hmm. on the spot. So, yeah, today's going to be an audio day. I'm working on the Rage Our Stories um, and I'm also working on an interview with Sachin Doshi from Podimo. He's the chief content officer there. Um, and he is a subscription platform and it's kind of a, an interview around is podcasting the fu- um, future? Is it subscription? Um, and so I found it really interesting. He made quite a few parallels with podcasting and news publishing, which is kind of what you were mentioning, Omar, about like how that the ad supported versus in the the reader or in this case Lesnar experience so that that's something i'm it was quite interesting chat mm. too too many ads maybe need to go to a subscription model because they're not even making enough money for creators mm. yeah so, yeah basically. uh omar i'm actually looking forward to the asi conference in a couple of weeks in nice where i'll be interviewing uh the new ceo of Cantar media patrick bahar formerly of sky uh media in the uk and um kartik um rao the ceo of nielsen um, who are doing lots of interesting things, developing Nielsen One. Um, it's such a different world where in the UK we have all these joint industry currencies where we, you know, measure traditional mm. media that way. In the US, they don't have that. It mm. was just Nielsen mm. all this time and mm-hmm. now that's kind of breaking down. So um, it's going to be fascinating to talk about that. Mm. Sounds cool. And I personally am working on making this podcast even better. Uh, so there'll be uh, more guests, guest columnists, especially coming on more regularly mm. uh, moving forward. So, uh our little team of three will be growing, which is which is always great. Yeah. What media are you consuming more oh, of? Oh, yes. Uh, media I'm consuming. Well, I've been reading a lot more books recently. And we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Omar, you finished Bleak through. House recently, didn't I you? I finished Bleak House. Like a I've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to put that by. And since then, I have I think I've read like three or four, four different books. I read um, Time Shelter, which is uh, won the International Booker last year. Study for Obedience is uh, shortlisted for the uh, Booker this year. Lots more books. I like the mm-hmm. physical interaction of media, especially because all day we report on, especially mm-hmm. uh, digital media and, and digital publishing. Yeah. So it's nice to have something physical in your hands at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Um, quickly, did, are, are you I'm concerning? watching a lot of Channel 4 because Taskmaster and Bake Off are back. And uh, it's a very exciting time. Yeah. Omar, do you have any time to consume media? Uh, I watched football last night. I watched some Champions League. <laughs> some I Copenhagen, watched, uh, Man United. Uh, yeah, it was one of the, it was just one of the most dull football games. Um, it makes me, my, my Virgin Media is coming up for a renew. I'm wondering whether I'm going to renew the sports because I'm just like, Ugh. And uh, also, I, I don't know um, if it's still Sunset and Vine who are doing the production for TNT Sports, which was BT Sport. But the, there were loads of production issues all over the place. Um, I think I talked about this before. Like, what is going on? Like, the the audio was all over the place. You could hear producers interrupting um, Laura Woods, the presenter, and Rio Ferdinand. It was it was oh, really? odd. So I don't know what's going on with um, TNT and production. Oh. But, um, I've noticed that type of bad production from some of the streamers that have started to get into live sports. Like Amazon has not done a good well, they, job. Well, they, they use American Sunset Vine as well. Sorry to pick on them, but it, uh-huh. it's a fact. But um, they, right. uh, I think that had gone better. Mm. I'm sure they'll work out some of those kinks things go on or you'd hope so yeah. but 
Yeah. Uh, I don't watch much British sports, so I know. <laughs> oh, you should. Oh. Very, very little happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a really relaxing evening. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, thanks to the both of you for, for joining. And uh, I'll see you back here uh, next week. Thank you for listening to the Media Leader Podcast. You can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. But just remember, please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode. From all of us at The Media Leader, I'm editor Omar Oaks. Our executive producer is Jack Benjamin. See you next time. Bye.